Welcome to episode 90 of No Shot Clock, the Chicago High School Basketball Podcast. I am Michael O'Brien from the Chicago Sun-Times, here with Joe Henriksen of the City Suburban Hoops Report. We're just about at the halfway point, I think. Jack Gleason told me like what it was exactly. I think we might have passed it, but how you doing, Joe? Yeah, we, we got to be past it. It's like, got to be past half, aren't we? Uh, Calendar-wise, I, I think we're right at it or just past. So it's kind of like when you think of summer and it's actually June 20. <laughs> yeah. All yeah. right, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's a lot of – lot of. we took in a lot of games on Saturday and this weekend, and I think we learned a little bit. I yeah. think we learned some from, from the weekend, and uh, it's always good at this time of year to kind of start piecing together, figure it out. Obviously, it's kind of an extension when you start to really, really figure out some teams at the holiday tournaments. And now, kind of into this shootout season where every weekend we got something going. Yeah, we're going to, that's something we're going to hit here. First, we're going to do the questions, then we'll do our two takes. And then we're going to talk a little bit about parody. And there was a lot of upsets over the weekend, but I mean, and everybody's acting very surprised and kind of freaking out about this. And, we, we need to talk to everybody <laughs> about the current state of things um, and w- what an upset is at this point in, in this season because this has turned into kind of an interesting, unique season, shall we say. So let's start it off with the questions. The first one is, I believe, from a, a newcomer to the mailbag, Earl Harvey. Earl's got a good question here. He says, the Lindblom Eagles are 14-2. and two. 5-0 and in the White Central, with solid wins against Kankakee and Dunbar, but lost to Marion Catholic by 7. They have four players averaging 10-plus points, and their starting point guard is averaging 15 and 6 assists. Do you believe they can get an upset or two in the city playoffs, and can they make a solid run in Class 3A? Um, I have not seen Lindblom yet, which is unfortunate. They just haven't it hasn't worked out for me and they haven't had a game, you know, that I had to be at, but they're a team that was definitely on my radar coming in. They were, they've been the favorites in the white central, you know, from the beginning, they had, I think seven guys back from last year that all played a ton. Um, Shamar Pumphrey, Marshawn Williams, Miles Twyman. This is a team that was supposed to win the white central and is doing that. And I think they've even kind of overachieved. I don't think that seven-point loss at Marion Catholic is anything um, to be ashamed about at all, you know, for a, especially for a white central team. That That is proof that Lindblom definitely is going to be a factor in the public league playoffs. The public league playoffs are going to be wild. The upper division white teams are right there with the middle tier of the Super Conference. So it's going to be crazy. I would not want anything to do with Lindblom in the playoffs if I was a red division team, uh, you know, especially in one of the early rounds. 3A is a little different. Um, yeah, because now you're getting 3A. Unfortunately, yeah. you're playing the upper echelon public league in Bogan, Morgan Park in that sectional. Yeah, St. Lawrence and Mount Carmel. But I I mean, don't you think they could probably, you know, if you look at the, there's a lot of bottom feeders in, in that sectional. Yeah, and I think they can play with St. Lawrence and Mount Carmel if they can yeah. play with Marion and Kankakee. So what, yeah. what I'm saying is it'll be interesting to see if you can get, like, you know, Bogan and, and, and Morgan Park will be the one-two. And then somewhere you've got, you know, to get that three, you know, that three seed to, to avoid, you know, trying to avoid Morgan Park and Bogan, you know what I'm saying, in a regional final. Yeah, that, that and, would be key. 
Yeah. Um, so, I mean, if they can inch their way up into that top four seed, uh, top five seed, you know, play a Mount Carmel in a regional final, something like that, um, it'd, be, it'd be interesting. It would. And, you know, Zach Linderman's been doing a very nice job with Lynn Bloom. You know, we, we don't talk about them a ton. I basically just see them about once a year. But this has been a competitive team now for quite a while. You know, this program has become a factor, and they looks like they're going to very likely be in the red next year. So they are definitely a team to keep an eye on. They play Catalyst Maria on Tuesday. There's a possibility I'll be there. I've actually heard very good things about Catalyst Maria this year, which is a school I know nothing about. I've never covered. Um, they're newish, but they're 11 and 6. And a couple people who have seen them have told me that they're not bad at all. And they've got a couple players that are worth seeing. Um, their score is a little bit hard to tell. Dunbar crushed them. But anyway, so we'll we'll, we'll keep an eye on Lindblom a little closely. They, they are pretty regular in the notebook. If that's something you, got, you read, um, you can keep up with them there. Next question is from our buddy Alexandre. Question number one. If the season ended today, is Adam Miller Mr. Basketball? Alex, I feel like you haven't been paying attention to the podcast. <laughs> and I know you listen. Come on, man. Yeah, the uh, Mr. Basketball. I mean, Mr. Yeah. Mr. Basketball's <laughs> a repeat winner. I mean, it'd be a shock if anybody won Mr. Basketball other than Belleville West star EJ Liddell. Now, player of the year, we were, Mike and I were sitting there talking Saturday uh, during the shootout at, at DePaul prep, just kind of casually talking about player of the year and it's probably for a different topic at a different time. But at this midseason point, there is not a runaway winner by any means. And there are a handful of people, a handful of players that with a big second half of the season can firmly entrust themselves in in that race. Yeah. And, you know, Adam Miller would be one of them if, if, you know, um, you know, he started out quick against uh, DePaul Prep, and then didn't have a lot, a whole lot of scoring in the second half against DePaul Prep. But you know, as big games have come in some games that you know against some lesser teams, but it, it, he's got some big showcases and some and a platform to, to really showcase uh, Player of the Year candidacy over the next two months. Yeah, it's going to come down to. You know, what they do in the big games. Adam Miller is definitely a contender. I mean, I think right now, Rashawn Agee and Dejuan Gordon would be a slot ahead for me. DJ Stewart, he's been so consistent, you know, as has Agee. Um, but they're all kind of in there, and we're waiting to see who kind of steps up. Um, Who, who's ahead. the best player of the year candidate outside of the Chicago Public League? It's tough. <sighs> Yeah. So we just named we named four of them and all in the city, and there probably are four front runners. I don't know. Uh, I mean, Max Christie's putting up the numbers, but he's only a sophomore. You know, they don't have the big wins. Yeah, it, it's tough. Perry Cowan's been very consistent, but you know they have not had the big wins. I mean, I think Jerry Hernandez. Yeah, uh, yeah he's had some fabulous games, and I gotta say, I didn't mention him, but. I was telling Joe this. I still haven't seen anybody play better than Marquise Jacobs has played. And they don't have the wins. Uplift fell out of the rankings. But you see what he even did against Orr last week. 36 pretty much willed that team by himself back into that game. Another publicly player. Like. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so <laughs> yeah, outside of the city, I mean, it's tough. Some of the guys that we thought might step up and have big years, you know, haven't quite done that. Right. Tyler Cochran got hurt. 
you know so yeah it's yeah i don't know i mean yeah it's All rough right. um luckily we have some time uh alex andre's second question is siri lewis from kenwood a high major prospect he had a big week joe yeah part of the my one of my takes coming up is touching on this a little bit not specifically siri lewis but that class that recruiting class in 2020 no, right now he's not. Um, you know, some high majors are definitely checking him out. They've been in, you know, involved in contact and evaluating him. Uh, but as it is the case with majority of the players in that class right now, yeah, that's not there right now. So, you know, a mid-major right now and, and uh, with a big six, seven months ahead of him. Yeah, if we were doing a stock report on players, I'd buy some Siri Lewis stock. <laughs> I like his chances of being a high major recruit by uh, this time next year. Uh, and I think he had, did he have 33 against um, Bogan, was it? Um, yeah, or no, against sure. Curie. It was against Curie. I think he had 33 against Curie. That's why the game was so close. Kenwood, I think, only lost by 10 or 11 without Lamont Johnson, um, which is pretty impressive. And, or the Kenwood, the Kankakee numbers. Um, they, they were good. Um, no, I don't. But, yeah, he had a very good week. He, he's yeah. definitely coming along. And, you know, Curie, and that's what I said about the Simeon. That's what Simeon showed everybody. Curie has a weakness. You can attack them in the post. And it looks like that's exactly what Kenwood did, which kept that game close, even though they didn't have Lamont Johnson. Uh, anyway, next up, Marty Machazic. That, that doesn't sound well for a Belleville West Curie title game. Tell me about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Curie's got plenty of time, and they're going to have to, you know, play Bogan again, some teams. That's what I didn't understand about the Bogan game last week. Bogan didn't go big. They had Kennedy Brown on the bench. You know, some other guys, they went kind of small. I don't understand why they didn't attack Curie at all in the post. It was it was strange. But um, anyway, Marty Machazic's next. He says, hey, Mike and Joe, as we go into the dog days of the high school hoop season, who would you guys regard as some of the best young coaches in the Chicago area? Young coaches, Joe, who do you like? Oh, this one caught me off guard. I didn't get this question right. Or right. <laughs> <laughs> Mike uh, sent it to me, but I obviously missed it. Um, young coaches. Yeah, I know. Um, a guy who I hadn't. Um, and what does considered to be young? I mean, yeah. Bobby Fraser is without question one of, the, to me, one of the best young coaches in the game in high school basketball. Brother Rice. How uh, I many years has he been there? Four years, three years. Um, I want to say three, but I wouldn't bet my life on it. But yeah, I mean, I, I've just been impressed with him from day one um, as one of the bright young coaches. And, you know, you always wonder who's going to be in this for the long haul and, and are they lifers and all that. I, 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 mean, I really hope for the sport, Brian, uh, Bobby Frazier's, you know, in it for the long haul because he's, he's terrific. Yeah, no doubt. I was pretty impressed with Dave Wilson out at Andrew. Is he considered young? Um, I think yeah, he's. <laughs> it's a young man. Okay, yeah, I think they're like <laughs> one in sixteen this year. <laughs> yeah, last, last year they maximized that talent. A year ago, it's a tough, tough job, and I, mean, I think he got the most you could possibly get out of that group last year, which was a team you and I talked a lot about and, and enjoyed watching. Yeah, another guy I keep an eye on is uh, I'm a little biased because he briefly worked at the Sun Times, but Quinn Peterson over at Peyton. Um, is a very young guy, and he has got that program humming. Um, Peyton is—he's really starting something over there. You know, they—they've got a really good player in Jabari Chippy now, but 
I, I think that's something to watch. He's definitely, you know, he's a very young guy at a school where I think you could really win and where you could create some uh, a good program. Anybody else you uh, offhand want to mention, Joe? I'm skimming and none of them are young. Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to keep them young. Uh, Justin Rhymes at Solorio is also very young, and I was very impressed with how they played. Um, you know, they've got the star Donovan Jones, but man, they – they moved the ball so well and were so unselfish. And that's, especially in kind of lower, you know, white or blue public league basketball, that's not something you see a lot. You get a lot of one-on-one at that level. I'm not sure I've seen a, a white or a blue team as unselfish as that Solorio team was. And I think that's definitely a, a compliment to the coach, <laughs> um, for sure. Jim, so, Jimmy Roberts at, at Jacobs comes to mind, too. Uh, yeah, obviously Jacobs had a great run. Well... I mean, for several years they, they've they struggled this year, uh, but you know he is he's definitely one of those coaches. Yeah, uh, Chris Perkins Kev- at Willowbrook. Uh, yeah, he's Ke- Kevin Clancy at Notre Dame. Yeah. Uh, you know he just took over recently. He's got a young group this year. They're still piecing together. Uh, talked to him over the weekend, and um, he really feels like they're kind of starting to you know remember that that football. Without those football guys for a long time, that does take some time to build that cohesiveness and continuity. And uh, but yeah, Kevin Clancy at Notre Dame is impressive too. All right, we got a couple young guys there without much research. <laughs> but, right. Um, then Marty continues. A few weeks ago, I saw Cole Gentry, the five ten guard from St. Charles East, lighted up for Wright State against UIC. How would you compare Gentry to another guy currently from that area, Geneva's Jack McDonald? Well, they are both City Suburban Hoops Report favorites. And I, I was the – and by the way, I, I've gotten that question a few times when I've, when I've tweeted or, or written about it. A City Suburban Hoops Report favorite. Joe, what does that mean? How do I get to be one? Uh, it's, it's, it's basically players I really like a little extra, uh, an affinity for them for different reasons. And uh, it usually happens early in their careers, and I just kind of refer to them. And it's funny, I'll have different guys go remind me, oh, yeah, Joe, he was a Hoops Report favorite, right? I go, yeah, yeah, he was. So anyway, both of those guys were Hoops Report favorites. Usually they're either young guys who haven't been talked much about, and I just love them, and, or they're just kind of these undervalued guys that you have, like I said, affinity for. But Cole Gentry, I went to Mike, I just went – to bat for him, uh, to, to be a Division One player. With all my subscribing coaches and, and you know, I have a hundred plus Division One schools that subscribe to the recruiting service that I do, and I just remember going to bat for Cole Gentry, and and uh, you know he happened to be one I was right on, but he, he's had a great career. I mean, he went to South Dakota State and then transferred when the coaching staff went to Wright State, and he's had a tremendous career at Wright State and South Dakota State, and. McDonald is a hoops report favorite for different reasons, not because he's at the level of Cole Gentry, but just for who he is. I mean, he is. We talked a lot about him. I've written a lot about him. Uh, I think Mike and I. Mike said he's made a deal with the basketball gods uh, with with some of the things he gets away with on the floor, and that's as a compliment to him, you know. I, but he's just not quite at the level of Cole Gentry. Jack McDonald is a surefire high-priority target for small college basketball uh, programs across the Midwest, and that's kind of where he fits in. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. McDonald might be a little bit more point guard, you know, than scorer. 
Cole Gentry could really score. And, and do we really think Cole Gentry is 5'10 now? <laughs> yeah, he's probably 5'9. But he, uh, but no, I mean, Cole, Cole, I mean, his feel, like McDonald, his feel was, it's just incredible. His basketball feel and poise and, uh, he he played with the utmost confidence as well for for a guy that size. Next up, Brian Williams. He says, "Hi, Michael. St. Lawrence has a decent win over Leo on the road Friday. They do have some tough games ahead in January. But what are your thoughts on Jeremiah Williams? And are you still selling that St. Lawrence stock? Um, that St. Lawrence Leo game was crazy weird. It was at Leo. I think Fred Cleveland had like four or six points, and Jeremiah Williams had like seven, which is." Terribly strange. Yeah, and, and for St. Lawrence to do that w- w- with Jeremiah Williams not putting up his typical numbers is, is pretty impressive. We're also seeing, I mean, not to take anything away from a win, but Leo's obviously got some some things going. I mean, they were, you know, they've lost, I think, three out of four. They lost to, lost to Maine South on Maine South yeah. on, on Sunday. And, you know, I, anyway, we're talking about St. Lawrence. Yeah, I... We, we I, I guess we, Mike and I always talk about this how we couldn't remember what stock we necessarily bought or sold because we went through so many of them you know, days after. But I'm assuming we both sold them. You know, I I, I, I sold them at the time because, you know, I, I just don't know how much value you got for them when they have the road that they have. You know. I, They've had a terrific season. They 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 really have. They they put points on the board. They get up and go. They're a fun team to watch. Jeremiah, Jeremiah Williams is, you know, I, we, I've written about him here a number of times here, and and he's a legit, no doubt about it, mid major prospect. And among my top, I can't remember top twelve players, I think right now in the class. Uh, so that's that's some that's pretty high regard for him. And I, I just think St. Lawrence. You know, they're going to be the team you probably don't want to play, but the way they play, you know, that's how Morgan Park and Bogan like to play. So that, that to me is, again, matchups, and they, they kind of feed into what Bogan and Morgan Park like to do. So that, that's going to be tough. Although, which I think is very interesting, when it gets to that point, St. Lawrence will be hosting that, that sectional. So, um, but yeah, I, I like them, but I, I think they are what they are. Yeah, same thoughts here pretty much. I, I'd also get a little bit worried that when St. Lawrence, you know, 17-3 and three is nothing to scoff at, but, you know, they lost to Montini just a few days ago. You know, not a great sign. And York smoked them. So when they're not clicking, there is some issues there. They, they lost to Mount Carmel early, and Mount Carmel has turned out to be better than everybody realized. So no, no real shame in that, and that was back in November. But, yeah, buying the stock thing, when you're – when you're a three A team and the two best three A teams in the whole area are in your sectional, that you're not going to want stock uh, there. Uh, Jeremiah Williams, right. super I mean, high. You, on. Yeah, if you stuck St. Lawrence in the, I don't know, I mean, I know they're not going to the Maringo sectional or, you know, that type of sectional, but uh, I, I like their chances in, in a section like that. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, Jeremiah Williams, I'll never forget the first time I saw him. He barely played. He was a sophomore. He came in a little bit, you know, last year, and he just does everything. He has a great feel for basketball. That was a kid that I identified immediately, you know, as somebody who was going to be good. He, he could just play. It reminded me when I first saw Javon Freeman, and he was another kid that I hadn't read anything about or heard about, and it was clear 
that he could play. So I'm, yeah, I'm real high on Jeremiah Williams and he's, he's almost outplayed what I thought he was going to be as a junior. He, he's turned out to be even better. So um, I would buy Jeremiah Williams stock. Um, next up, George Michalowski, who I think is a newcomer to the mailbag. I don't remember George. If not, so welcome. He says, uh, does Bennett have a shot at a state title this year? Most talent they've had in years with Chua Crothers, Engels, etc. Doesn't seem like they've found their chemistry yet, but the talent is there. Also, will Tachua get any more D1 offers? Has one offer from Wisconsin-Milwaukee as of now. Thanks for doing the podcast and rankings and ignoring all the hate. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I mean, as long as Gene Highcamp's coaching that team and they have some talent, here's what you can be guaranteed, that they are going to continue to get better and probably, most likely, be playing their best basketball by the time February rolls around, late February into March. And w- with that in mind, yes, they do have some sh- really good. They're, they're they're offensively blessed in comparison to some teams they've had. But if you know anything about Bennett, you know what they've really really thrived with, and that's that defense. And this is not right now. This is not a def- a team that's playing the caliber of defense that past Bennett teams have played but they're they're scoring more I mean that's 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 certainly true but uh their bread and butter has been what it's been and that's that's been you know they're suffocating defense and and really making things uncomfortable for opposing teams and can they win a state title I think we'll talk a little bit about that in our one segment but uh I mean right now I would say no but that being said they have a winnable sectional yeah and a road to Peoria to get there. And then anybody that knows anything knows once you get there, it's, I mean, anything can happen. So I, I say no, but I mean, I, I still believe, and nobody had Bennett ranked higher and, and thought more of them in the preseason than I did. I, and, and they aren't quite where I thought they'd be, uh, but they're pretty darn good. And I, I would be shocked if they're not, if they don't continue to make, significant strides between now and, and time regionals roll around. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking exactly. You know, they have a very nice win over DePaul prep. They lost to York in overtime. They lost to Bloomington in overtime in a good game at Pontiac. So, I mean, they're clearly able to play with the top tier of teams. And, yeah, I think they're the one – they're a team to keep an eye on to see if that defense Joe talked about comes through. And then who knows once they get on a roll in the playoffs, which – could be quite easy to do in their sectional so yeah stay tuned you'd have to say no probably not gonna win state but look out <laughs> it's yeah. an interesting and, and Kendrick Chua yeah, what do you, a, think about him? yeah. you know he's a lo- he's a low division one prospect who <clears throat> his the biggest culprit right now with him is he hasn't been seen he, he just and he's he's still getting used to some he's got some raw in him for sure he's got a He's got a college-ready body. I mean, he's six six. I don't know what he weighs, but he's just—he's built like a man. And um, you know, he—you know—he's deserving of, of, of Division two offers for sure, low Division one. Uh, but he's still got to refine. He still has to refine some things with his game, uh, and he's learning a lot on the fly under Gene Heidkamp. But it's there's still a still a road that they're going to have to go down to be evaluated and seen by coaches between now and you know how. You know, we'll see what happens, but you know, a lot of kids are now playing AAU in the spring. Uh, if they feel like they maybe have not been noticed or seen enough, 
you know, and I don't know what road he'll take, but that might be an option as well down the road. All right. Time for our two takes. You want to go first, Joe? Yeah. Um, my first one, you know, there's always this notion of whether a team, you know, if two teams are matched up against either, or Mike and I are previewing games or talking about how teams match up with one another, there's always this notion that whether a team can handle the pressure of another team provides with, with that team's speed and athleticism, quickness, and um, that that speed and pressure is going to wear on a team because it hasn't played that type of speed and that type of athleticism pressure before. And we, we always talk about those types of teams that can't handle it. But the same is true for teams who are not accustomed to playing teams who execute with patience, precision, offensively, who, who and then defensively, they regularly they control tempo offensively, and they uh, they emphasize team defense, whether it be pack line, man to man, or or creative but effective zones, or simply hard nosed, disciplined man to man defense. The latter matchup problem tends to be overlooked, I think, much more than how is a team going to be handle the pressure and speed and quickness of a team. The thing is there really aren't that many teams out there that give you that type of all-out harassing pressure. And, and first, it's difficult to do that for 32 minutes. Second, if a team can handle that initial wave of pressure, typically a team will get good looks against that defense. I, I bring this take to the table as a result of watching a team like Loyola Academy and what it did against Marion Catholic this past weekend. Marion is not playing right now with its A game. That you know, that's I talked to some people with Marion and, and around Marion, and uh, you know, they, they, they hit a little bump right here. I, I still think they're one of the five best teams when they are bring their A game that I've seen this year. You know, they struggle with I think it was St. Pat's on Friday night, yeah. Mike. Uh, yeah. yeah, and then have it. They really got stuck to them by Lyle on Saturday. If anybody watched that game, but it's a real challenge for teams that play like a uh, play a Lyle. It's a challenge for a Leo to play a team like Maine South, uh, which handled Leo easily on Sunday. The same can be said when matched up against a York, or uh, we saw it with Wheaton South the past couple of years. The, just talk about Bennett. They've thrived with it under Gene Heidkamp. You know, while it may be at different levels from year to year, as this Loyola team probably isn't quite as tough and gritty as last year's, but Loyola brings a toughness and a defensive philosophy to the court and they obviously execute offensively and always surround themselves with solid shooters. But it's really a testament to what Coach Tom Libertino has done at Loyola over the years. That stuff does not happen overnight. And the word culture, I know, is thrown around pretty loosely, but it's so true with this program. And anyone who watches it closely realizes it and sees it. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, there are multiple ways, Mike, that you play this game. And especially at the high school level with no shot clock. But I think we underestimate style, system, and believing in that style and system within a team's culture. And as it relates to, you know, what team should be the team or what team is better than another team, that's just not always – that stuff comes into play. And I going back to my first point, we always talk about that speed and athleticism and quickness and, and how teams can't handle it. But, you know, vice versa, it happens too. And, and one more thing, Mike – it really shows the importance of scheduling and, and being able to play against different styles throughout the year to put your team in various situations and best prepare yourself for March. And, you know, some coaches and some teams and programs, 
I think, do a great job. Some people ignore it. And some get away with it because of maybe who they match up with in their sectional or regional. But eventually, you're, you're going to play a style or a system or, or multiple styles and systems, and you're going to be prepared for it. Yeah, because – I know man, I, ram, I ramble there no, a little that's bit. All right. that's, um, it'll pertain a little bit to what we talk about later too. But, yeah, because, man, that, that game was not close at any point. Uh, Joe and I were both at the Loyola Marian Catholic game, and Loyola really took it to him um, for sure. It'll be interesting to see how the Spartans rebound from that one. My take is – both of my takes are going to be based on the rankings since there's been so much rancor <laughs> over them this week. Um, and I felt like uh, both both these topics were worth discussing. The first one is Bogan and Bloom. Um, I might, I think I might be the only person that does rankings that has Bogan number two um, and not Bloom. Almost everybody else has Bloom two. And I think it's because uh, they have two head-to-head opponents, Morgan Park and Curie. And Bloom beat Morgan Park, and Bogan lost. And they both lost to Curie. Um, I'm also probably guaranteeing that I'm the only person that was at all four of these games and watched them. Um, So the reason I have Bogan number two (laughs) and not Bloom is because Bogan lost at Morgan Park. Yes. But they they dominated the game for three quarters. They had a 17-point lead before completely collapsing. So, I mean, I've seen what Bogan can do to Morgan Park, and yes, they took their foot off the gas and ended up losing. Morgan Park came back, you know, and won that game. And then I saw Bogan Curie, and while I don't think Bogan ever seemed like they were going to win that game, they were never out of it. And they were right there with them, and they lost by eight at the end. So, in summary, I have seen no one blitz Bogan. I have seen Bogan have a chance to win every game they were in, and they beat Young, which is a high, elite win to win Proviso West. Flip side, yes, Bloom had also really blitzed Morgan Park um, and then won that game, but Bloom was terrible against Curie. I don't know if it was because it was the second game, of the day, it was the Pontiac title game. They ended up losing by 14, but it was way worse than that. They just didn't look ready for the bright lights. They didn't look ready to play and beat a top-tier team. And I can't shake that from my mind. So I've got a team, two teams with similar resumes, similar records. You know, one has the elite win over Young, one doesn't. One has played with and beaten almost every team, and one team really laid an egg in a big game. So that's why I have Bogan number two and Bloom number three. What sticks with you more, the a team's A game, when they bring the area game, you've seen their A game, or laying the egg or the RF game? Uh, the, the sticks with me more is the A game. When you see a team... And that's so important to me. I can forgive a lot of things when I've seen how great a team can be. You know, yeah, that's I mean, I, so I, important. I, I agree. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, if I ever do things where I'm comparing teams or, and again, Bloom and Bogan, I think people can't argue it. I mean, everybody has a different opinion. Um, you know, I, that the way Bloom played against uh, Morgan Park at Mount Carmel to me was was their, uh, an A-game type of game and, and really impressive. And But, I mean, I, again, Bogan and Bloom to me are very, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't, I, I can't sit and argue, you know, either way. 
Yeah, they both have really good resumes. That's the other thing why I think it could go either way. You know, Bloom actually arguably might have won more quality win than Bogan, which would be, you know, I don't have a problem with them if anybody who has them too. I'm just giving that my reasoning since it's kind of hard to yeah. lay that on the paper. <laughs> my, my my second take is, you know, I try to stay positive. Uh, this one's a little negative. I, I just, <clears throat> you know, I, being the player evaluator and recruiting person and rankings of players and dealing with college coaches and talking with them on a daily basis. I, I do talk individual players a ton with in that realm of thinking. So, I, you know, you get to this point and then now this sounds a little bit like a, a stop and hit rewind and push play again. And I'm just rewinding something I've, I've talked about probably in a podcast a year ago or a podcast two years ago. And it's just the state of high school basketball right now, but this junior class, the class of 2020 that is now into – you learn a ton. You know, that's one of the most important jumps, I think, in, in a player evaluation and their growth as a player is from that sophomore to junior year. I, you know, it's not all the time. All the, it's not – that's not the case every single player. I'm not saying this. But by and large, the biggest individual jumps I tend to see in, in general are from that sophomore season – a lot of kids get a little taste of varsity basketball and then the, the really good ones. And then, boom, their junior year. So by this time of the year, your your, your opinion should change for the better or for the worse. I, I mean, mine was already pretty negative about this group, so it hasn't changed for the better. And, and that's disappointing. I, I, I just – you look at this team. I mean, you've got two high majors for sure at the top. Adam Miller and DJ Stewart are bona fide, legitimate high majors. I think DJ Stewart's underrated nationally. He's pretty highly acclaimed locally. Uh, Adam Miller, we talked about him. And there's probably a handful of players past that who, between now and, and, and their July and then they sign next fall, out of that handful, there's, there's going to be another high major or two uh, maybe three, but again, you're not talking about a significant amount of high major kids, but always with me is the case. The case is the depth and the lack of division one bona fide division one prospects at this juncture of their junior year. And they just aren't there. I mean, I keep waiting Mike for a class to burst through and, and to come on this podcast or to write a story and it's just and, and to tell you in the preseason, Mike, this group, this group's gonna have like back to fifty Division One kids in a class, and it just makes the sport better. It makes high school basketball better. And I know it's not all about Division One players, but it helps, man. It helps when you got those. Again, I'm not talking about the Okafors and the Alexanders and the Parkers and the Brunsons and the Ulysses. I'm just talking about Division One guys that really pump life into teams and programs, and and I. I you know, there is a lot of guys that were in my preseason rankings in 2020 who, who I thought were going to be Division One prospects, and I'm talking to coaches. I'm, eh, they just they, they haven't done anything. You know, they haven't done it. Again, there's time for them to to emerge again, uh, spring, summer, and, and the names. You know, there's there's names that are better than I thought. You know, I mean, I think Aaron Aaron Ulis is terrific. I think he has continues to climb as a player. I saw one this weekend, Will Wolf for Aurora Christian, 
another player who's just kind of blossoming and and uh, hard nose, six six, versatile score, versatile kid. So there's guys that are 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 definitely rising, but man, like there's a lot of guys who I've been disappointed in in the class of 2020 over the course of this first two plus months of the season. Yeah, I was just scrolling through the list. It's uh, Ramin Hinton for Curie is one that has definitely played well. Yeah, um, and, and we talked about Jeremiah Williams. I mean, yeah. there, there's guys. I mean, Siri Lewis has played well. Uh, um, you know, I've talked about Sincere Parker, written about Sincere Parker, a kid out of Rockford East, who's coming to the Chicago area this weekend, by, by the way. He's playing at Wheaton South. Uh, one of my top 10, 12. You know, some of this has changed since the beginning of the season, but uh, he, he's a terrific talent. But and just overall, it's just. Yeah, it's not. There, some guys uh, that were high that we all had high hopes for. Yeah, they, they, they've really dropped in, yeah. in my rank, in my yeah. midseason stuff. So, anyway. Yeah the, yeah, the best I can do looking at it is, like, I've had some pleasant surprises, like Connor Linky from St. Charles North. You know, who knows if he'll be a D1 kid, but, you know, I didn't know much about him at all, and mm-hmm. he played well. I thought Brandon Lieb, the big kid at Deerfield, played very well, and I'd never seen him before. You know, again, that's, you know, he's probably not going to be a high major kid. Um, the one, uh, Jabari Chippy at Peyton was way better than he was sophomore year. So I saw a, a huge jump from him. He's probably the junior, besides for Hinton, that made the biggest jump that that I saw. I don't, you know, Peyton does not score a ton, so he doesn't have huge numbers. And he's um, a different type of player. I mean, yeah. He's a, you, know, you know, big, strong wing guard. It's, so I don't yeah. know how that's going to fit high major-wise, but he definitely is a much better player than he was as a sophomore. But yeah, overall, it's... It's just the, the top kids, you know, like you said, that top 15 hasn't made the strides that a lot of us hope oh. they would. Um, all right, mine is, uh, my next one is on, kind it, it's weird, you put out the rankings and you never know what it's going to be. Well, this week it is, besides for the Bogan Bloom argument, it's why isn't West Aurora ranked? West Aurora has a lot of fans, which is awesome, good fan base. Um, Brian Johnson's done a really, he deserves some serious credit for you know, it's not easy stepping in for Cordy Kirkman. Um, and we've seen that go the opposite way a lot. But he has definitely kept West Aurora right there, you know, where it should be as one of the premier programs in the area. Um, and they got a nice record. They're 16-3. and three. I think they won seven in a row now. They lost to Oak Park in the first round at Pontiac and haven't lost since. The problem with West Aurora right now is, well, A, that Oak Park loss uh, meant uh, that's the game I saw. I, don't, I mean, I guess I've seen West Aurora twice, but that's the last time I saw West Aurora. They lost to Oak Park, so that got Oak Park in. Oak Park picked up some other big rankings, but West Aurora's problem is they don't have a big win. Um, not even like a sort of big win that I can go with. You know, their fans have pointed to the Danville win and the consolation bracket, which is a nice win, but... It's consolation, and Danville didn't play well at Pontiac. But other than that, I mean, their wins are against Nequa Valley, DeKalb, which is a good team, Oswego, Glenbard South, Glenbard East, Bartlett, West Chicago, South Elgin, which looks better now. They've uh, they picked up a nice win this weekend. East Aurora, Pontiac, Warren, Streamwood, DeKalb again, Larkin, and Glenbard South. Now, I have not added up the one loss record of those teams, but it's not great. Um, the losses are to Oswego East by 12, Bloom by 18, 
and Oak Park by four. So they weren't even close, really, in two of the losses to the good teams they played. So that's why Westeroa simply does not have the resume right now, despite the 16-3 and record. And they don't really, if you look at their schedule, they really don't have an opportunity to kind of boost the resume. I mean, uh, the league isn't, you know, yeah. real good. Uh, their non-conference games, you know, Downers Grove North they have coming up. They have Plainfield East. I mean, those both those teams maybe aren't quite as what we thought they'd be. Uh, so they don't have a ton going for them schedule-wise. Um you know, no, going forward. They're going to have to win all those games. And then if we're looking at it in two weeks, if we're looking at a 12, 13 game winning streak and I've got a bunch of other teams losing, then could be the time that that's when you can get in without, you know, that big signature win. If you just keep piling the wins up, which we you know we saw Geneva do um, and rise right up the rankings for a while. But that's the problem with West Aurora right now. It'd be interesting to see if, if the seeds were done in their sectional today, that's a tough sectional to seed because, Obonsi Valley's got a great record, but same, some similar to what you just said with West yeah. Aurora, uh, Bolingbrook's in there. Um, what else is there? Oswego East. So yeah, that's that's going in Romeoville. So that's going to be a, a tricky sectional to seed. All right, takes are in the bag. The mail bag is done. Jonah, it's a, now we got to figure out how to address this exactly. <laughs> um, <laughs> there, there were a bunch of upsets, according to my rankings. This week, and I, and I had a lot of people texting me and coming up to me and talking to me, and oh, they just couldn't believe all these upsets. And I, I guess the what Joe and I would kind of like to describe to everyone is that they're not huge upsets. That we don't have a real core group of teams that we would be surprised at all if they lost. And there has been so few moments where, you know, I guess Mike and I. Well, we everybody knows we follow high school basketball probably as much as more than anyone. But holy crap, moments! You know, they're holy crap. How they lose to that team? You know, and it, it just it hasn't really happened for the reasons we're going to address. And I, I kind of cut you off there, but I, I no, that's okay. Go for it. I, I just you know you look at and again everything's it's all relative, but because there are. Mike has to do rankings <laughs> and you know, he does them as best as he can based on the information and what he sees. And, and, but are necessary, it isn't necessarily a, a 17 team beating a five team or an unranked, what we consider a good team that beats another team that's ranked. Yes. It's upset by ranking only, but the parody and the lack of high quality and the amount of high quality teams just kind of takes that off the table um, in, in our eyes. And, you know, and then go back to what I talked about earlier. I mean, Loyola over Mary Catholic was an upset. I mean, but it's certainly not a shocking upset. Loyola was ranked in the preseason. Uh, I talked about the styles and different type of hard matchups. Uh, Marion wasn't playing quite at, at the highest level. Give Lyle credit to what they did to him. But again, I, you know, were you shocked that Maine South beat, beat um, Leo? No, I, I have a text where I sort of predicted it <laughs> to yeah. someone. Yeah, you know, you got I Tony Lavarado against a team that has one guy you need to really shut down. <laughs> That's not I mean, Geneva was upset by Lake Park. Lake Park. 
Not going to say now, I saw that coming. However, I, right, <laughs> and, and and I saw Lake Park this summer, and summer doesn't mean anything. And and uh, Billy Pitcher was just taking over the program, and believe me, I, I based on what I, I haven't seen them this year, but I saw them in the summer, and that that's an upset. But I think Mike and I both have seen Geneva, and we both agree that while they're a really nice team, it's a good team, and they've had a tremendous run here. They are clearly not this juggernaut, unbeaten team that their their record suggests. Uh, so yeah, I, I did expect them to lose sooner than later. You know, I thought maybe even a Naperville North could maybe pull off an upset this Thursday night or something like that, but. You know, Lake Park is a little bit surprising, but again, it's not shocking that this Geneva team did lose. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's all kinds yeah. of these examples. We all said, you know, Fremd lost to Schomburg. You know, not a shocker, I don't think, uh, to anyone. We had who were the other? Um, who else went down? Let me see here. Um, I mean, well, Saint Vider now is. Yeah. We should probably make note of that in the podcast while we're talking. Huge blow. Just it's just a you never want to see a and this is actually Mike another take that I had and I kind of I don't want to be so negative and down but <laughs> St. Viator is kind of built for this season and they put together this schedule they they're they're trying to repeat as the conference champs they they're in three A now there's just this huge bright light at the end of the tunnel for this program and team. And Trey Calvin, their star point guard, got hurt in practice on Thursday, broke his left hand. Sounds like he's going to be out minimum of six weeks. And if you do the look at the calendar, that puts you right up against it come state tournament time. So it's just a crushing loss. They lost two games this weekend. And I, I feel truly bad for, for Trey Calvin especially, but also you know uh, that, that St. Vider team. Yeah, that is a real shame. It's too bad. He was fun to watch play, too. Um, hopefully he'll get back for the playoffs, but who knows. Um, and speaking of the playoffs, that is, I think, you know, we Joe and I might do a lot of whining about the fact that, you know, there aren't enough high major kids and there aren't a lot of great teams this year, but I think one of the positives of maybe both those things is the playoffs are going to be crazy and they're going to be fun, and I really don't – I wouldn't be – I was just going through the rankings looking at the 4A teams – I mean, yes, Curie's off to a, an excellent start, and they're, they've really handled things really well. And it's you know hard to see a lot of teams knocking off Curie, but it's not impossible. And I, I just feel like so many of these teams have a chance to get to state, and so many have a chance to do well there, and that's exciting. You know, to not see these huge roadblocks. You know, they're gonna uh, keep a team like we talked about Bennett, even a team like Lincoln Park who's had super high moments, you know, beating Young, but also super low moments, and is 12-6, and six, everybody still has a clear path in my mind where you can see a way that they can get to Peoria, and that's kind of fun. And, and some, take some steps before that, even. These teams who we're talking about, how we're not really surprised they pull off upset. <laughs> if you look at, you know, maybe they're not Peoria-bound, but... A number, I mean, there is a surplus of teams that, more so than I can remember, that truly have realistic shots of winning regionals and, you know, getting a feel for that sectional basketball. And uh, there's just an endless list of these teams that, you know, when I start doing my breakdown of seeding the sectionals, when I do that week before the seeding, I think it's going to be alarming to me of how many teams where if they just pull off that one win, which is very feasible to do, 
can win a regional. And, and yeah, maybe they're not going to be able to string together three big wins in March or four, but there's no doubt there's that again that surplus of teams that can get that one big win on regional night uh, to secure you know a, a spot in, the, in, the, in sectional. Yeah, and you know it makes things fun too for me. I'm trying to figure out where to go this week. I haven't locked it down yet, but man, there are some MSL games I really want to see. There's some stuff in some other weird conferences. I feel like everyone is relevant in a fun way, and I think that's cool that we're not. I'm not locked into these same 20 teams. You know that I'm constantly. We, we've had some turnover. There has been you know maybe the same 15 in there, but you know Aurora Christians in this week and they're a fun team with a lot, with a lot of talent, you know, on, on that team, despite it being a small school, you know, we've seen that with some other small schools that have popped in briefly, you know, Ottawa even got in there, but overall just calm down, I guess a little bit parody is massive this year. And it's just something we're just going to have to get used to. Uh, you ready for a look at the week ahead, Joe? Yeah. The busy Martin Luther King weekend. Uh, before we get to that, there's some, it's hard to get a handle on the old Martin Luther King weekend, but let's start out with, um, well, if you're listening to this on Tuesday, Tuesday's a fun day. I don't know where I'm going yet, but some fun games. Corliss, a team that has a really nice chance, I think, uh, in the small school world and maybe even CPS playoffs. They're going to be at Morgan Park. Maybe the headline game is Kenwood Bogan. Um, we'll see what Kenwood can do at Bogan. I talked about Catalyst Maria Lindblom. We got Downers South at Leiden, Willowbrook Proviso East, Glenbard West Lions, the Steelmen are at Bolingbrook, Loyola at Notre Dame, Palatine at Grays Lake North. Still threatening to go out and see Grays Lake North eventually. Plainfield East at Hillcrest and Richards at St. Lawrence, which should be, should be a real good one. Um, Wednesday, kind of real quickly, Stevenson Warren. The whole, it's funny though, the Red Northwest, I just list every game on my sheet. They're all good. Maybe Young Uplift and North Lawndale at Orr are the two best. Boy, don't be surprised if Marquise Jacobs takes a scalp there in that little gym at Uplift. Um, also Carmel at Mundelein. Uh, Thursday, we've got Maine South at New Trier. Hubbard at Lindblom and Solorio at King, some big white division games. Friday comes around, St. Lawrence at DePaul, big weekend for St. Lawrence, a big week. Mount Carmel at Providence St. Mel, Glenbrook South at Evanston, the rematch there. Schomburg at Palatine, which I might head out to, haven't seen either one yet. Um, Lincoln Park is at Farragut, Farragut's played real well lately, only lost by three to Bogan, so keep an eye on them. Uplift's at Prosser, Young is at North Lawndale, Oak Lawn is at Richards, the Steelmen are at Oswego East. Probably the headliner here is Bolingbrook at home with Flossmore. That game is going to be on television on the U2 if you want to check that out. And then Oak Park at Downers Grove North. Um, Saturday, we got all kinds of shootouts, all kinds of tournaments. Everything starts up. I guess the game I want to stop and talk about maybe, uh, the War on the Shore at Evanston. We've got Nutrier at DePaul, which should be a great game. Then Loyola at St. Viator. And then the headliner is Evanston Bolingbrook. What do you think of that one, Joe? Well, I think it's going to be fun to see a lot of – I wrote this last week in, in my column about how Bolingbrook, really talented team, highly ranked. No one's really seen them. <laughs> and, you know, and, and I talked about this coming month for them. They got some massive games coming up. They got Holman Flossmore Friday night. Then this this matchup, they've got um, uh, Simeon and Morgan Park. I, so, yeah, I mean, I, I – I think this is a really fun team uh, team matchup, personnel wise, because it's a lot of perimeter. You know, there's there's not a whole lot inside for either team, 
and they can throw out fast, athletic, speedy guards that will come at you. And uh, that this is a fun matchup because of personnel. And because it, it two teams kind of run in different circles. You know, yeah, every, two geographical yeah. areas, and right, correct. That'll yeah. be fun. So, and I think whoever wins this, you know, Evanston arguably is in the upper echelon. I mean, they were number two in the preseason. They're number six now. And Bolingbrook, you know, number 11, I think. They've been up pretty high this year. I haven't sure what to do with them yet because they don't have that big area win, which could change real quick. But whoever wins this immediately joins the top tier of Super 25 teams, of teams in the area. So that's pretty exciting. I think there's another matchup at Romeoville. They have a shootout there on Saturday, which is maybe a level below, but similarly important. I think for the teams, it's Oak Park at Hillcrest. Hillcrest almost pulled off a nice win against Simeon at the Bob Hamburg shootout at TF North this weekend. Oak Park has turned things around a little bit here. You know, had a nice win against York. That To me, this feels like a big game for both of these teams. Teams that could go on to accomplish some big things. Maybe if they can get a springboard here in Oak Park against Hillcrest. Um, should be fun. Yeah, I mean, Hill, Hillcrest really needs a win. They, they really need it. Um, and as you mentioned, Oak Park, you know, had but both these teams are high with preseason rankings, and uh, they're both talented and good enough to get on a roll. Yeah, Julius Rollins, who was supposed to be like a complimentary guy for Hillcrest, you know, a, a talented junior, has kind of become their most consistent player lately, it seems, which is good for him. <laughs> but, I mean, some other guys have not kind of lived up to what they should have, so it'll be interesting to watch how that one goes. St. Charles East against Romeoville is the... The last game there, that, that should also be a good one. St. Charles East said some ups and downs this year, but is a fun team to watch. Then Sunday's a little dead. We got some other stuff. And then Monday's loaded with too much to even talk about. We've got the Wheaton-Warrenville South Martin Luther King Tournament, which is a City Suburban Hoops Report favorite. Um, <laughs> and then uh, <laughs> some other stuff. Burlington Central has a lot of interesting teams. Wabonzi Valley, Lions, and Johnsburg are out there. Some teams I'd like to take a look at. Um, so yeah, any other matchups this weekend you've got your eye on, Joe? I know you said Rockford East is coming around. Yeah, I mean, I just think it's uh, an opportunity there just to see. I think they're six, 16 and two, 17 and two, uh, maybe 18 and two even. So it's a team that we've talked about, or I've written about too, about having a one, a, a legitimate Division One player in Sincere Parker. Exciting talent, 20 plus points per game, 6'3 guard. And then also with the road, the road they have, uh, they have a shot to, to make some noise in, in March and, and get out of that Rock, Rockford sectional, uh, which would meet up in DeKalb against our West Suburban sectional winner. Yeah, but pretty much everywhere you might be in the area, there will be something for you on Martin Luther King Day. Uh, Fenwick's got Bolingbrook against Morgan Park, and then Simeon against Fenwick in the afternoon. That should be fun. I think those games are on television, but don't hold me to it. But just all kinds of fun matchups. Like, you know, Sterling, you got Oswego East against Willowbrook, which is kind of, you know, a fun game. And then if you stick around for another hour, you can see Willowbrook play again against Maine South. (laughs) So... All kinds of madness. The rankings, it's a horrible time to do the rankings when you know there's all those games on Monday. Because it's like, what am I doing? What's the point (laughs) of this on Sunday? Since it's all going to be trashed in five hours. But anyway, that's my personal problem. Thanks, everybody, for listening to episode 90 here. We're just 10 away from 100, Joe. That'll be right around March. 
who right? can who can even believe it? Yeah, we'll be wrapping this thing up. But um, thanks for listening, everybody, and we will be back next week.